Hallelujah. This morning, let's go ahead and open our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 22. And, you know, this morning I don't have a title for my message because there's just so many things that God can speak to us in so many different ways. But this morning I want to talk to you about the life of David. And I want to talk to you about the time when he was anointed to be the king. From the time he was anointed by the prophet Samuel, so many things had transpired in the life of David. When he heard that the Philistine giant was coming against the children of Israel, it was David that rose to the occasion. It was David who had the passion and, and, the, and the zeal to, to make a stand for God's kingdom and challenged and defeated Goliath. It was David that once that had, that had happened was being prospered by the Lord. God's hand was upon him. The Bible says in the early chapters of 22 that, that under the rule of King Saul, everything that David did would prosper the men that he was put in charge of would be victorious in battle. And basically everything that David would put his hand to would be blessed because God was with him. And it says that in this season that the king Saul began to be very jealous over what was happening. So he, he began to develop a disdain for David, seeing, seeing him as a threat. To his kingdom. So what would happen is King Saul would make many attempts to take his life. It's said on numerous occasions that David would escape the spear of King Saul as he just threw it at him while he was worshiping. Amen. And, and it says that, that David was fearful for his life and he wouldn't come against the king. And I like that. I like how, how, how David, being anointed, being chosen by God, being able to defeat a giant, being able to have victory in battles, still feared to be outside of God's will and come against King Saul. So David was on the run. He was on the run. Now, think about that. Let that sink in this morning. He was anointed, he was chosen, and he was on the run. Do you ever feel this morning like things are not adding up in your life? Chosen, you, you, you may have uh, questioned what God was doing in a season in your life. Lord, it doesn't make sense that I am chosen by you, that, that you have anointed me, and I feel like I'm on the run. I feel like, like I'm being chased down by the enemy. I feel like, like I, I'm just don't know where to go. It doesn't seem like what's happening in my life is fitting for a child of God. And this morning, that's where David finds himself. He finds himself running. He finds, he finds himself hiding and being in God's will. It says in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, it says, So David departed from there. 
and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's household heard of it, they went down there to him. Everyone who was in distress. Let's stop there. You know, if you think about what is happening today in the world, you could become distressed. When you think about how the the culture and how the prince of the power of the air is infiltrating our school systems and and indoctrinating our children with with what they want to push upon them, it's distressful. When you think about the the politics of this world and, and who is right and who is wrong, it's distressful. When you think about everything that is happening and the chaos and and the wars and everything going on in this world, we become distressful. And so the people that had gathered with David were people that were tired, that were anxious and had nowhere to go. It says everyone who was in debt, think about that this morning. Before the five months of, of this COVID season, I want to say this correctly. Many of us have pulled from an account. I'm not talking about money this morning. I'm talking about the things that we pulled from that made us happy and content. And now that we're in quarantine, there's many things that we can no longer do. And we realize that we've been pulling from an account And we can no longer pull from anymore. And we realize that we've become in debt. We we become in a place where we can no longer draw from this account. And we realize that we're feeling empty. We're feeling distressful. We're feeling anxious. We're feeling worried. There there are things in our lives that, that we didn't realize were issues until this season. And all of a sudden, you're realizing, oh, man, I'm starting to notice. I'm starting to notice these things that are just rising up in me. And we realize that we were just going along. We were just living our lives, not realizing that we were just drawing from things that we weren't supposed to. It says everyone who was discontent. Now, being discontent this morning is not necessarily a bad thing. It, it is good to be discontent. Matter of fact, being discontent causes people to grow. There was a man who, in the, I don't know, 16th century, I didn't, I didn't look that up, but, you know, had a, had a candle. And, and he was discontent walking around with a candle, so he decided to invent a light bulb. There was someone who was tired of of being on a horse going here to there, so he decided to build a car. You see where I'm going with this. Someone was tired of riding on the papyrus, so they decided to make paper. Being discontent in our lives is something God puts in us to say, I'm not happy where I am. I need a change in my spiritual life. I need a change in what, what, what I'm doing. See, what I've been doing all these years is no longer working for me. And being discontent will make you rise up. 
will make, you, will make you rise to the occasion and say, you know what? I'm not happy, Lord. I'm not content with this life anymore. I need to run to the cave. And so those that were distressful, those that were in debt, those that were discontent gathered to him. And he became captain over them. Now think about that this morning. David, the anointed, the chosen, on the run, was captain over men that were distressed in debt and discontent. Now that's not the picture that we paint when God says, I'm going to do something in your life. I'm going to, I have a plan and a will and a purpose for your life. And that's, that's not the picture that we see. That is not what, what I had in, in mind, right? That's, that's not what I had in mind. I, I didn't think that I was going to be a captain over a bunch of rejects. I can imagine David saying that. Now, it's ironic that the last person that we usually seek help from is God. When he is the first person we should be running to in the times of trouble. This David who was hiding in the cave with 400 men was the same person who prior defeated Goliath uh, valiantly. Killed many of the armies of the Philistines. He had victories. Was skillful in tactics of war. It's intriguing how David had the skill and ability probably to get himself out of trouble. He probably could have waged war and won against King Saul. He could, probably could have done that. Now think about this. It's intriguing also how in, in chapters past 22, it says that David would, would, before even getting into battle, that he would seek God's counsel. God, I'm going to go into battle. Do you think you're going to be with me. Am I going to win this? And God would say, yes, you are. And he would go into battle and have the victory. See, David was a man who sought the Lord. He was a man that, even though having the ability, even though having the strength and all the, 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 the abilities and, and, and purpose and power, God was with him. God was behind him. He still sought God. He didn't say, uh, I have this. I, you know, situation comes before our lives. I got this. I don't need to ask God what he thinks. I, you know, it, that's not what David did. Everything that he did, he sought the Lord. It's important to know this morning that David was chosen by God and David was in God's will. It's very important to know that this morning. David was anointed to be the God-chosen king of Israel. Now, some comparisons this morning. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. They were on the run. Okay? Moses killed an Egyptian, and he left his life of being a prince of Egypt, and you can see that he was on the run. Elisha feared for his life, and he was on the run. Now, this is a, a bonus here, and it's not 
biblical, okay, it's not in the Bible, but through tradition and, and historically, when Paul encountered Christ in Damascus and he was taken uh, to receive his eyesight, he spent like three years before he entered ministry. And many people believe that he ran to the cave of Sinai where he had an encounter with the Lord and he ran away. Now, Jesus, you know Jesus, he was always on the run. He always skipped through the crowds, not getting caught by the Pharisees because they wanted to kill him. Jesus was always on the run. So if anybody has told you that Christianity is all bliss, blessing, and prosperity, they lied. If you feel distressed, if you feel like you're in debt this morning, if you feel like you're running, guess what? You're in good company. You're in good company this morning. Amen? Now, God looks for a heart after him. God chose David because he had a heart after him. And I want to look at that this morning. He was chosen because, God, because he was a man after God's own heart. The Lord sought for himself a man after his own heart, 1 Samuel 13, 14. It's important to note that, and let's pay attention here, it wasn't the goodness of David's heart that God had seen. Rather that his heart was ready, okay, here's the key. His heart was ready to respond to his call. It would be easy to say that God saw something special in David. There was something, he was charismatic. He was a, he was a warrior. But look what Jesus says. Jesus says in Luke 18 verse 19 to the, the uh, young rich ruler, Jesus says, no one is good except God alone. Nobody's good. Nobody in this world has what it takes to be chosen by God, okay? I'm going somewhere with this. Jesus would also say in one of his parables, Matthew 22, verse 14, many are called, but few are chosen, okay? Now, David would later write about the heart condition of man in Psalms 14, verses 1 and 3. And it says, and I quote, There is no one who does good. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside together and have become corrupt. There is no one who does good not even one. It wasn't David's good heart that, that he was chosen. In the life of David, it is seen that he had his share of moral failings. He didn't always exercise God's godly judgment. So if God chose David because he was a man after his own heart, what does it mean to have a heart after God? This language was intended to tell the reader, you and I this morning, that God had changed the course of the kingdom. In other words, up to this point, it was Saul who was chosen by the people. That was the people's choice. But God steps up and says, I'm going to choose whom I choose. 
It would be foolish for us to take the triumphs and the, and the downfalls of King David and say, wow, if David was an adulterer, if David was a murderer and he was a man after God's own heart, then maybe I'm not that bad. And that's the mistake that we can make this morning. To compare ourselves and to think, well, if he was a man after his own heart, no, that's not it at all. Let's read what it says in Romans chapter 9, verses 14 and 18. Paul says, what shall we say then? There is no justice with God, is there? May it never be. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then, does it not depend on man who wills or the man who runs, but God who has mercy? For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose, I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you, that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. So then, he has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom he desires. David was chosen because God chose to have mercy on him, period. You are here this morning because God chose to have mercy on you. That's it. That's it. You're here because God said, I love you. Mercy. Now, he gave him mercy. And placed in his heart, God did this. God placed in David's heart obedience. All David had to do was respond. This morning, all we need to do is respond. That's all. When you respond, God does the rest. Now, David in his despair, in his worry, in his anxiety, didn't choose to run towards the battle. He chose to run into the cave. Now, what happens in the cave stays in the cave. <laughs> and I'm going to explain this morning. What happened in the cave? All the people came to David, and he became their leader. All the distressed, all the broken, all the rejected, they all came, and they went into the cave. Now, we know what was going on through King David's heart. We know what was happening because through this season, in that very cave, he wrote Psalm 57. And we're going to read the first two verses of it. He says, be gracious to me, O God, be gracious to me. For my soul takes refuge in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I take refuge. Until destruction passes by, I will cry to the God most high. To God who accomplishes all things. For me. 
to the God who accomplishes all things for me. I like what it says in Jeremiah 31, verse 11. It says, For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and redeemed him from the hand of him who was stronger than he. God saw Jacob in trouble. He knew he wasn't going to win. He knew he was going to be defeated. So God comes in and says, I know you're going to lose, so I'm going to come in and I'm going to snatch you away because I know you're in trouble. David was in trouble and he ran into the cave. Now, uh, figuratively speaking, he ran to God. This morning, the best thing you can do in your life when you're in trouble, when you don't know what to do, is to run to the Father. Run in the shadow of his wings and take refuge in him. That's the best thing we can do this morning. See, in the cave, David knew he was going through a process. He knew that it was okay to run under the protection of his heavenly father. It was okay to come into the cave with nothing to give. It was okay to come into the cave with an unsatisfied heart. However, it would not be okay to come out the same. You can come into the cave in your current condition, but you better not leave the same. This morning, what happens in the cave stays in the cave. Stays in the cave. You're broken. You're in a bad place. You're confused. It's okay to run to the Father. You don't need to have anything, any ability, anything at all. You just need to be obedient to his calling. I'm calling you to come to me. And because I know those demons will defeat you, I'm going to ransom you and I'm going to defend you. And this was the blueprint for King David. From this point on, everything that he did, he sought the Lord in. Every battle, he sought the Lord in. He wasn't perfect because God didn't choose a perfect heart. God chose an obedient heart. God chose a man who would say, Lord, I'm willing to say, okay, use me. How I am, use me. It doesn't matter. It, I, don't, I don't have it all together. But I will say yes. I will believe in your name. This morning, amen, we need to go to the cave, spiritually speaking. Now, the cave, Abdullam, uh, this morning was a fortress. It was a place of, of refuge. It was a place that people went to to have protection. And that's where David went. When we have reached the end of the road, when we have reached the point in our lives where we're discontent and we don't know what to do, we're distressed, we're in debt. When we reach the point in our lives where we say, Lord, I don't have the answer anymore. I've run out of my spiritual fuel. I don't have anything else to draw from anymore. When we've reached that point, it's time to run into the cave so that God can begin to work in our lives and we can begin to rest in his presence. And he can equip us and enable us to do that for which he has called us to do this morning. Let's bow our heads 
as we go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning.